You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So here's an interesting chidush that Rabbi Yoshev said about Shavuos. Yedua umafursim, you can see here, I have it here, b'shem Rabbeinu. Everybody knew that that, that Rabbi Yoshev said, Kizman Krias Aseris Adibros Bachagashvuos, when the time that you would read Aseris Adibros is Misugo Rafua. Now the Babacharebi used to try to say that everybody should go to Shulan Shvuas to hear and stand as if they're there at Matantor again. But this was an interesting point that Rebel Yoshev made. That the moment that they read Aseris Adibros especially is a time to be think about people getting better. Why? Kefi Shohoya Bisman, next page now, Bisman Matan Torah. Because we know the Gemara says in Matan Torah, all the people that were ill became better. People that were lame could walk. People that had other types of illnesses I, the name, the reason why people called it Mount Sinai was because of this Kabbalah that people got better at Har Sinai. The, at at Rav Yoshev Shul, they had a special minug in the base medrash of Rav Yoshev, where they would do, right at the time, right when they were about to do Kriya Satera, they would be mispalil especially for people who had given tzedakahs, people who had been helpful. It was a special time to daven. Um, now, obviously, today we don't have the Kriya Satera. We're not in many communities, if you're not going to have it. But as Rabbi Yoshev said, even if it's not, even if it's not the time of laning, the whole day is a segula. So people say, Iyar is a segula. Rabbi Yoshev felt that Shvuas was a segula to daven for choylem. And in fact, he said it even stronger. I'm going to show you the words of, of what, what he writes here. That Rebel Yoshev would go and visit choylem on Arab Shavuos when he was well enough. And he would say to them that on Shavuos you can ask for a refua that even though normally it would be beyond because they haven't found the cure for it yet. Rebel Yosha felt that since what happened on Shavuos, what happens every Shavuos, is sort of a recreation of what happened at the original Matan Torah. Just like the original Matan Torah, there was this miraculous cures that were meted out to Klal Yisro. We have the schus to daven for things that during the rest of the year might be, well, you can't cure that. There's no cure for it yet. Oh, he's too far gone. But on Shavuos, Rav Yosher felt you could. Um, and the best time, of course, would be when the Tzibra was laying that Seres Adibros. But if you uh, this year there is no time for a Sarah, no one's reading it publicly. If you're not, if there's there are no minyanim, 
But the time that it would have been read would have been the, is a time to really give out your tefillahs this year, especially with the diseases of Corona and other things. I think Rabbi Yoshev's words are very important. Now, Rabbi Yoshev brought a proof to his point. I'm going to show you what his proof was. Other than the idea that we know it happened, he says, you see from the Gemara that it's true. The Gemara says in Shabbos, we're going to get to it uh, in Tafyomi in a couple of months. The Gemara says, sakanta. Arab Shavuos, the Gemara says, it's a sakana to go, at that time they used to go to blood letters. That was the doctors that they went to. They would go to people to, to, to take blood out of them. On Arab Shavuos, the Gemara says it's a sakana to do that. Why? We're going to see why. The Rabbanan say every Arab Yontif don't go to what was considered the normal procedure, which was to have the doctor, these, these specialists, who would take blood from different parts of your body. But they would have to, in order to do this, they would have to make incisions in the person's body. Don't do that on Erev Yontif. But the reason why, because Erev Shavuos was the worst time for that to happen. Why? So the Gemara says, Dinofik Bezika. We don't know what this feels like, but there's a special type of wind that's released on Erev Shavuos. Ushmei Tavuach. The name of that wind is the slaughterer. And why was that wind coming out? Because originally, that wind was released in the original year 2448. That was the wind of God that knew how essential it was for the Jews to keep the Torah. And even though they seemed to accept it willingly, we all know that there was this force. The Gemara says, Rabbi Yoshev didn't make this up, that that wind is released every, was released on the original day of Matan Torah, and every Shavuos is still released. That's the Gemara. And, and, and if they didn't accept the Torah, they would have been slaughtered. So every year there's an element of that wind still present the day before Shavuos. So Rebel Yoshev says, you see from the Gemara, Shabikol Shana Vishana Choser Venira Sakana. Every year the Sakana arises again. So let's not talk about the negative. Let's go with the positive. It's not just we know it was the day and we figured it out. It's not just a memory of that day. It must be, the Gemara is saying, God wants a new Kabbalah Satera every year. And that's why that wind with its powerful negative power is still there because we still need to commit ourselves to Torah every year. It's, you hear it a lot, but Rabbi Yoshev bases it on the Gemara itself. Um, another proof that he said that every year it's like you're getting the Torah again. The Torah says when Moshe Rabbeinu describes what Matan Torah was like, he uses an interesting term. He says, it was a tremendous sound that didn't end. Didn't end means it maybe hasn't ended yet. 
it could be that sound, whatever that sound is of Matan Torah, it's still going. That's what the Pasuk says. Henech is right, but, but this is a good proof. Henech says we say this every year about Pesach as well and Sukkot. But this is a proof that Matan Torah happens every year. And, 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 and Henech, I don't know if you missed this, the sugu of getting better happens every year as well. Shavuos is a time... Uh, okay. Let's take a look at another interesting Hanhoga Rebel Yoshev had on Shavuos. On, now, Rebel Yoshev lived to be uh, 103, I believe, 102 or 103, 101. Um, so until 1993, um, when he was in his 70s, he used to walk from Meisharim, and it was hot, of course, on Shavuos, but he'd make sure to dot, walk to Musaf uh, at the Kotel. And those of you that have ever been in Eretz Yisrael for Shavuos know what I mean. It's a huge crowd goes to the Kotel on Shavuos, the Kotel on Shavuos. And Rabbi Yoshev used to go as well, and specifically to go on Musaf. Now, in, in, in 1994 on, uh, he stopped going because he couldn't get, it was hard for him to walk. So he would go to the Koso on, on the day after. Or he would make sure to go to the Koso one of the days of the six days after Shavuos. But he said, I'm not going to go at night, I'm going during the day. Because as we know, as we learned a couple of days ago, the days after Shavuos were days that in Klaus history, they brought a Corbin. So Going up to the Regel, is that's what it's like, going to the Mokom you go during the daytime. So that's why Rebel Yosha would go during the day of one of the days right after Shavuos. Um, and he says that it's a, an important thing to do. Rebel Yosha learned Torah all the time, but he said it's important to have this idea of going to the closest we can, the Mokom Mikdosh, around Shavuos time. He felt it was an important thing. Um, One last thing about Rebel Yoshev going to the Kosel, and this I, you have to, I'm not telling you you have to accept his psak, <clears throat> but he used to say that he had a problem. He said on Yontif, when he discovered that there were security cameras everywhere, he, was a, he, he felt that that was a reason not to go because if, if you are recorded and you know you're going there, you, you don't have to go. It's an Indian to go. You want, you don't want to put yourself on the recording on purpose. So this was a kpeda that when he heard about the the cameras that was there, he said, you know, maybe <laughs> it's good. Maybe he got older. He wasn't able to go on Yontif itself because there would be a problem, he felt. Now, this gets into a whole issue about going to everywhere because today all the streets are full of cameras. Today, almost everywhere you walk, there are security cameras everywhere. So I'm not sure what Rebel Yoshev would say, maybe in those days, there were only cameras at certain checkpoints. But now there's cameras almost everywhere. So it's really, uh, it's really uh, not something which I think it's almost impossible to, to, to avoid. Even though you know it's happening, you don't want it to happen. Okay.
So that is some Hanogas from Abel Yashiv on Shavuos. I'd like to do a little bit from his son-in-law now, from Rav Chaim Kanievsky. We know that Rav Chaim felt that the Megillas Rus was a very special safer, uh, especially at his daughter Rus, and it was something he felt was important. Here's an interesting thing. It's too bad Michael's not with us tonight. He says, if you look at Megillas Rus, every time Rus is spelled, we know she was from Moab. It's spelled Rus HaMoavia with a, a Yud Hey. Vav, again, it's spelled Mem Vav Aleph Bez Yud Hey. Every single time she's mentioned, it's spelled out Moavia. The only one that Rav Chaim said is the last time she's mentioned. After Boaz marries her, and Boaz says, I'm taking her as a wife. There, the word Moaviyah is missing above. So this was something Rav Chaim Kanievsky noticed. And he said, because before Boaz married her, there was a discussion whether she was truly, was she a complete Moavite or not? We know the Moavites, it was also for them to get married into Klal Yisrael. They couldn't be part of the Jewish people. And there was a big debate on the Sanhedrin and the Chachamim. Some said yes, some said no. So up until this point, she's Moaviyah, complete Moavite, with problems. But now that Boaz took the action and married her and said, I'm going to make a kikinion on her, and she's going to be my wife, so now she's kosher. So now we, the, the vav is taken out of the word Moaviyah because she's not like the men. Now the, the Pusik could write Moaviyah without the Vov. It's written without the Yudam. It's, it's, um, it's, it's written without the Vov. Mem Aleph Bez Yud Hey. That's a, cute, a brilliant chap from Mikhail Kanyevsky. Because now she's not a Moavite. <laughs> she's clearly not like the men. And that's uh, the reason. Rabbi, Rabbi is it without the Vov? Does it make it that she was brought? The Mavim, you know, it's to bring that she's brought already into the community rather than Moabite. It was like a play in words. I, I'm just wondering. Could be. Moavia, I don't know enough diktuk. <laughs> but again, either way, this is the type of thing a Godel notices. <laughs> and you come up with an interesting interpretation of why. Um, another thing Rav Chaim said, we're not going to be davening in shul. But Rav Chaim, of course, said the reason why we would say the Yud Gimomidos of Rachamim is because there is a din on Rosh Hashanah. I'm sorry, on, on, on Shavuos. There's a din on the Peros. And that's why, again, we need Rachamim, and that's why they say the Yud Gimomidos, Hashem Hashem, El Rachum Bakanun. But he says it's interesting, on Simchas Torah we don't. On Simchas Torah they don't say Yud Gimomidos. On Shemini Atzeres you don't. Shminiters we do, but in Eretz Yisrael they don't because it's not a Yom Adin. Okay, one more thing from Reb Chaim Kanievsky. Someone asked him the question. I don't know. I think I would have given a different answer, but someone asked him the question. He says. You know, I try to stay up and learn on Shavuos night, but the quality of my learning is weak. You know, I, I try to push my eyes to be open, 
But I know what I'm learning is really not that solid. But I know that if I'll sleep Shavuos night, I'll be strong and refreshed, and I can learn Shavuos during the day. And I'll probably learn better. I'm going to tell you what I would paskin. <laughs> I would tell the guy, go to sleep. You're right. This whole th- It's not for everybody. It's a minag, mekubolim. You learn better. Go and learn. Rav Chaim didn't want to say that. Rav Chaim said in Yiddish, <laughs> go to sleep Arab Shavuos in the afternoon and you'll have enough strength. That's what he thought. I would have passed differently, but he felt the minig is important. But then they came and asked him, look, I tried what you said to do. I, I tried to learn. It was, it's still tough. So he says, look, it is a minig Yisrael. It's mentioned in the Zohar HaKadosh to stay up all night, Shavuos. You say it's hard for you. I'll tell you what. Don't, new, don't learn new things. Learn something. Learn a, a little bit. And then review what you learned over and over again. He says that, okay, you're right. If you want it to be the strong, I'm going to open up something new, that's, that won't work for you. But he felt, re- learn something and, and do a good review. Learn the same thing three or four times even. Not a bad Eitzah from Rav Chaim, uh, how to get out of it. Um, we talk about uh, his relationship to his wife. We know that there's a mitzvah of Simchas Yontif. How are you Makayim? How are you Makayim Simchas Yontif for your wife? How you, you have a mitzvah to misameach your wife. So the Gemara says the way you do it is by buying her colorful clothes, big date sivonim. So they asked Reb Chaim, uh, do you have to buy colorful clothes to be makayim the mitzvah? They asked him, somebody had bought bed sheets for his wife. Nice bed sheets, brand new sheets. So he wanted to know, right, every yontif, not only for shvuas, Henoch, but we're talking about shvuas and yontif. So they asked Rav Chaim, look, I'm, I want to buy my wife, a, it could be expensive, uh, a good pair, a good sheets for the bed. They're, and they're nice looking and they have a nice color to them. Is that a kiyam or does it have to be a, a dress that she wears? Is that, it's not a begit. So Rav Chaim said that's good enough. That's, that can be called a begit. Even though she doesn't wear it and it goes on the bed, that could be good enough. Um, they asked him another question. They said, we know, for example, people will buy Let's say if if, Yontif fall, if the first day of Sukkot falls out on Shabbos. If the first day of Sukkot falls out on Shabbos, there's no mitzvah in Torah to take a lulav and esrit. It's only midrabonon. And people will spend money, big money, to have that mitzvah midrabonon. Even though it's only a hidur in the rabbonon. And they get a beautiful esrit. They asked Rav Chaim, why, why aren't people more makbid on buying stuff for their wife. It's a mitzvah from the Torah for your wife to be besimcha and for you to be mesameyacher. And Chazal say it's with beautiful clothing. 
<laughs> so you should be more makbid, especially on a mitzvah minat Torah, than something that's midrabanan. That was they asked Rav Chaim. So Rav Chaim said that you're right, but she needs to want it. In other words, it's not the, it's it's not like a, an esrig where you don't have a choice. If she wants this as clothing, it's it's dependent on her. It's it's, it's she's the controller. The Gemara says that's probably what women like, <laughs> but it's not like a chok v'loyavar. It's what she wants. Therefore, if Chaim said, <laughs> then let's say you give her money throughout the year. Let's say you always give her an allowance. In the time of Chazal, women did get a little bit of money to spend, but they didn't have money like they have today. They didn't have, they didn't have their hands on the charge card. But let's say, Bisman Azeh, women have money and they could actually go out and buy the dresses for themselves. So therefore, he, she, the fact that he's giving her money the whole time, the fact that you've given her money and she's got that money, Erev Yontif as well, you don't have to necessarily go to the store, he says, and get her stuff. As long as she knows that she has the ability to buy what she wants, that would be enough to be Makayim that mitzvah. You don't necessarily have to make a present out of it. And he also said, Rav Chaim, I have a question. Yes, Moshe. Could that money count as a maser? Um, I don't think it counts as maser money. It's part of the mitzvah of Simchas Yontif that you need to spend on her. But if you've given her money, um, and she knows she has that money, and as he says, she the whole year she could go out and use it and buy it, so, but he says, he <laughs> It's a chiddish. I have to show this to my wife, I think. Now, um, however, even though that was true, Rav Chaim's uh, wife's grandfather used to tell over a different story. Rebetzin Kanievsky, Batsheva, her grandfather was Rav Aryeh Levin, as you know, right? Rabbi Yoshev married Rabbi Yelavin's daughter. So, and, and Batsheva Kanievsky was Rabbi Yoshev's daughter. So her grandfather was Rabbi Yelavin. Rabbi Yelavin was known as the Tzaddik of Yerushalayim. But there was another Tzaddik together with him. It was called the Tefliker. The Tefliker. Um, I think his name was, I have his name somewhere written down. Rabbi Gross. I have to look up his name. Shai Agnon wrote a story about the Tefliker. He's in, the, he's in one of uh, Shai Agnon's uh, stories. So, the, the, so Rav Aryeh Levin used to tell over a story about his friend, the Tefliker. He said there was once a, 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 a Yid, a Talmud Chacham, that was, he was very poor, and he came to show one Sukkis with a beautiful Esrig. Everybody knew he was poor. So the Tefliker went over to him. I don't know if he said it to him openly. And he said, look, obviously you scraped together money to buy this estrog. But what did you buy for your wife this year? What did you buy? Did you, get, did you buy her something nice? That's a mitzvah from the Torah. Now, she can't use another. She can't use someone else's clothing. You... You could actually 
have, have spent a small amount to have your own esrig. And if you want to you to get a beautiful esrig, you can ask someone to give it to you with anamatana, and you could hold it for that moment in Makai the Mitzvah and then give it back. But she can't do that. You can't, how was she supposed to have a begot? So that was what the Tefaker was saying. So it sounded from the story that the Tefaker disagreed was is different than than Rav Chanievsky, than Rav Chaim. He felt that you got to buy or something. It's a mitzvah. So when Rav Chaim, when Rav Chaim heard this story, maybe his maybe his wife told him the story. So Rav Chaim said, "Okay, Lamaisa, there's still a difference." If she doesn't want the clothing, if she's such a tzaddikus, she can be mochel. And also, we don't know what it means, color for clothing. We don't know exactly the quality at all. And the truth is, if a woman is happy with the present you buy her, the teflaker might be right, that you should go out and buy a present. But if she's, the, the, the quality is, is she happy with what you got? If it's a certain coffee mug that she looked at in the store and that's what she wanted, that's also, it gave her simcha to get that coffee mug that said, this is mom's kitchen, whatever whatever it said on the mug. That would be enough. That's what she's happy with. That can be Mekayim. He says an esrik is different. An esrik, we know there's halachic status of what's kosher, what's mahudr. It's not subjective to the person. So Rav Chaim stayed with where he was on this issue about uh, Simchas Yadav. Although, again, it's important. Uh, I think the Tefukar story is also important to try to be Makayim, especially this year. Our wives are putting up with a lot this year with us being home as much as I know mine is. So that's the Halacha. And... Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. Thank you.